Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to Changing the Lost Vanity. Vanity is a first edition Chronicles of Darkness game set in southern Florida during the year 1993. Father Katrina, played by Tillman, Raymond, played by Chris, Isabel, played by Andrew, Frank, played by Slavic, and Adam as the storyteller as they uncover the mysteries of the true fae and forge new paths for themselves in a world of beauty and madness. Follow us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM for channel updates, and we hope you enjoy this episode. We'll get back to uh, Frank and Manny here. You guys are pulled over on the side of the road as as Manny's kind of trying to, like, he, he just hit Melissa, like, very aggressively, but now he's kind of trying to, like, slap her face away because she just, like, slowly starts nodding off. And you just see, like, Manny reaches down into the the uh, floor of the car and just picks up one of the white pills that Melissa had been taking and just looks at it. And he's just like, the fuck, it's fucking sleeping pills or something. And he, he tosses it out over his shoulder. Mm. Like, I don't know. Do you know where Emily lives? I don't. I I'd never heard of Emily before. Oh, wow! And he just he just starts he just starts slapping her face again. He's just like, "Come on, come on, wake up, wake up!" And you just see her like she snaps too, and kind of just like her eyes go wide for a second, and she's just like, "Huh?" Like, where does Emily live? Tell us, Emily. We we have we have to get Emily and get out of here. Right, Emily. Where is Emily? And she just like looks up at you guys like confused again and kind of just starts to slowly like drift back. And Manny just grabs her and gives her like a violent shake and is just like, Emily, where's Emily? And she's just like, Come on, I'll I'll take you to her. I'll take you to her. Do you have an address? I don't think you'll uh, uh it, an address? No, no, no. She lives she lives near Near the entrance to our hollow. Okay. I I'll sh- I will show you guys. Just and she's just like, she's just so out of it at this point. It's like whatever the pills she had taken are just clearly affecting her at this point. And she's just like slowly starting to like her her eyes closing. And she just like she she goes to like get out of the car a little bit. And Manny's just like, whoa whoa, where are you going? Look, look, it's it's that's not safe for you. And she just goes and tries to like start walking, and he's just like, "Nope, come on, you you have to get back in. You have to you have to tell us where Emily is. Mm-hmm. Our our hollow. It's it's near the train station. If you okay. bring me to the train station, I I can show you. And you just right. see her. She kind of just like slumps over and puts her her head on the uh, the seatbelt that's like kind of um kind of buckled in on the uh, on the middle seat." And it's kind of just like suspended and she just kind of like rests her head on it. And he's just like, uh, okay, we'll just, we'll go to the train station. I'll make sure she stays awake. Okay. I'll okay. I, I'll try to drive as fast as I can. And you just see, and, and he just, he just hops back in the driver's seat and just peels out again. I want to say like Frank sits next to her so he can just shake her awake every time he thinks she's dozing off. And, and, you know, you're just kind of like trying to shake her and, and she's, you're like keeping her from completely nodding off, but it's, you're starting to, to feel like it's kind of futile to try to, 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 you know, like she's not going to stay awake, but still every time her eyes close and every time she starts to, to nod off, you shake her and she comes back too. 
you know, and it's like, if you, if you can just stay here and keep doing this, you might be able to keep her awake for long enough that she will tell you guys, you know, where, where this girl lives mm-hmm. and just out of character really quick. You've never heard of Emily. Uh, Manny's never heard of Emily, but Melissa right. did say she's a courtless. So there is a, I mean, it makes sense that, that you would have just like never seen her before if she's completely staying out of like the freehold. So Manny is kind of just like, y- you can just see the redness in his face as he's just sort of speeding to try to get to this, this train station or whatever. You, you almost get this, like, you almost read this, this smirk on his face as he's doing this. It's like he's this like thrill junkie part of him is kind of just like showing itself again. Do you think Emily is dangerous? I, I don't I have no idea. Probably not. I think it's, you know, hopefully she's in better condition than this one here and can, and can tell us some actual stuff. I, she could I mean, be a I, traitor. Yeah, that's a good point too. That's a good point too, Frank. We, we have to be ready for anything when we go down there. We always are right. We're always ready for anything. Right. And, but I've been doing a lot of work. Not much running low on fuel, if you know what I mean. I do. I know what you mean. Look, uh, do, do we need to stop somewhere? Do we need to... No. No. It's fine. I can manage many. Okay. All now. right. And you see him, and he's, he presses down on the gas a little bit more after you guys... After, after that is said. And it's like he's going even faster now. And you, you have to hold on to that passenger side handle a little bit as the car shakes around a little bit and you guys eventually get to this train station which is like completely empty there's there's nobody waiting there there's it's just completely desolate and he he gets himself out of the car and immediately goes down to the to the back seat and kind of like pulls the door open and just kind of like grabs Melissa by the shoulder and just like pulls her out the passenger side and he's like all right we're here we're here come on now where do we go Show me, show me. And she's just like, okay, follow me. This, it's, it's, a, it's a secret spot. And she's trying to talk, and she keeps like dropping her things and going to pick them up, and it's just like taking too long. And Manny just like grabs her, her purse or her bag or whatever, and it's just like, just, just go. I, I have your stuff. Just go. And he's like completely frustrated with her, and he's sort of just like pushing her along to just like lead him. And she walks... She leads you guys straight past like the the entrance to the train station towards a, like the area on the side where the trains come in and like people can people can park their cars and just like go catch the train or whatever and it has like that it's like a, a a parking area it's not huge but it's like enough to fit like 30 cars or whatever and it has like the sort of situation where you can like leave your car there overnight or for two nights or or whatever and she's just like leading you past this empty parking lot well it's not completely empty you you see like a few cars there that are just parked and there's no people there or anything like that and you guys are kind of just like walking through this parking lot and you get to the this this bridge that it's kind of like the the bridge that the trains go through, and she just hops right down onto the tracks and stumbles. And Manny's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And she's like, "It's it's this way. Come on." And Manny just looks at you, and he's just like, "Frank, I don't know. Uh, mm, sh- should should we let her tell us first? 
Where is it, Melissa? And you see her, and she just kind of like swings herself back to look back at you guys. And she just like points forward and she just starts starts lumbering through this 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 dark tunnel. And then after a few seconds, she's just out of sight. And Manny and you are still standing on the platform right next to this parking lot, standing on the platform where the where the tunnel is just like a, a maybe ten feet forward. Uh, I mean it's night, the train's not gonna come. Right. Okay. Okay. And then Manny just like he hops down and you see like he gets like this the dust of the uh of the of the gravel and the train tracks sort of make a mark on his on his uh slacks and he kind of brushes himself and, and he just starts walking into the the dark corridor that that Melissa just came from. Okay. I want to leave that there for a second and I want to go back to Isabel. So you get dropped off at your house from this uh from this taxi driver who said no words during the entire ride home. He just kind of brought you brought you back to your place and you bring yourself inside and you're just, you know, you're wasted at this point. And you go into the bathroom and you're washing your face in the mirror. You're washing your face like in the sink, like right below the mirror. And you, you know, you, you're, you're putting the water over your face and stuff and then you dry it off on a towel. And then you go ahead and you, you look at yourself in the mirror and you just take like stock of, of like yourself and like how, how you're like, you know, how you're kind of like in this state of just, you know, you're kind of like, very intoxicated, a little bit disheveled and stuff like that. And you just feel like you've lost control for a second, but like you, you're home now and it's like, you're ready to just call it in. What's going on in your head after, after ending like a a night like that? I'm not sure anything's going on in her head right now, other than my bed. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, you know, there's not a whole lot to think about. It's just, uh, just, and so uh, how tired and suddenly weary she is and how like, you know, just everything, all this is just easily fixed, just laying down. And so you kind of just like you, you throw yourself onto the bed, you just walk over to it and you just like collapse on top. And it's like after a couple seconds, it's just you just black out and you're just in like a complete sleep and you start to feel yourself drift into the dreaming a little bit. And you wonder if you even want to because you're it's like your soul is tired from all this. It's like but but you feel it, you feel the you feel the dreams forming and you feel something starting to show itself to you. And you you know, you you feel as though you can just you can just step inside. I'm not sure she has any sort of choice at this point. You know, it's like in the in the state she's in, no. It's just happening. So you find yourself in this dream. You're sitting in a classroom and you're you're doodling, you're drawing on a on a on a piece of paper with some crayons, and you you look at yourself, and and you're the you're the Isabel that you are now. You're not like a you're not a child, but you're in this classroom, you know, full of children. Everybody is is kind of focused in on like uh, papers and, and drawing and stuff like that, and you and you hear like you hear like the the laughter and, and playing of children and stuff like that. And there's no, there's no like teacher or, or instructor or anything else in this classroom. And you're kind of just like, just taking in this, this scene as you like, just look at your, look at your paper. And then you look outside of the building 
just through the window and you, you see birds and, and seagulls and you, you, you get the feeling to just, to just like start walking. Okay. I mean, it's a dream and she's not like resisting anything. Yeah. And you know, it's a dream. So, I mean, you don't feel any, any sense of danger or anything. So you get up and you, you make your way towards the door of this classroom and you open it up and you're, you're walking through like the halls of this school building and it's a school building that, that you used to go to. It's your, it's your middle school or your elementary school or whatever school, you know, whatever grade you were in when, when, when you were taken, when, when things changed for you, probably like a junior high school or like, or like middle school, you know, but this, this building is, is empty, save for that classroom. You, you walk out of that room and you're, kind of like slowly walking through the hallways with the the lockers on both sides and everything is silent. There's, there's no, there's no sounds of of people or anything. And it's like, once you went through the door from that classroom, everything that was going on inside of there just ceased. And it's like, you're walking through this school building. That's just like desolate, but it looks exactly the same as, as uh, you remember it from when you were there, but you know, save for that, it's completely empty. And you're just like you just keep walking until you stop at something and it's a it's a locker. And it's a locker that you remember because it was yours. And the number just just rings rings in your head when you when you walk past it and you see it. And it's like this this flash of memory just kind of hits you and you, you see it three fifteen and you walk up to it and Looking at it gives you memories of just, uh, of just, I don't know. It's it's a it's kind of like a, a a painful time to look back at because that's a time when uh, things started to really change for Isabel, even like in her mortal life, like when she started to go through like a like the physical change into womanhood, and and people started to treat her differently and and stuff like that. And so it's like it's it's a it's a troubling time for her, even in that regard, even even um, not considering all the, all the stuff that happened to her, you know, after that, but you do remember like some, some fond memories of just like, like having friends, hanging out with friends and stuff like that. And you're looking at the locker for a second. Okay. Do you want to open it? Do you want to just keep going? No, I'm going with it. I'm good. Go with it, man. She is. I'm going along. You're following the dream. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And it's, and you can kind of feel yourself being guided too, as, as you, uh, as you, work through this dream and so you see the locker and you you see like the circular padlock that kind of kind of keeps the keeps the hinge from from sliding open and you hold it in your hand and the muscle memory kind of just does its thing and, and you unlock it you know with with without much thought at all you just do a combination in it and it, it clicks itself open and you take the lock off and you you pull the locker door open and you look inside and it's, it's, it's got, it's got books. It's got things of yours. It's got pictures pasted up against the, uh, the side of the locker, a photo booth picture of you and one of your best girlfriends, just, uh, just hanging out at the movie theater. And it's, it's weird. It's nostalgic because you haven't seen it in, in so long, but surely there it is buried away in, in the subconscious somewhere. And your old books, and you you grab one and open it up to look at it, and 
you see some of the things that you've scribbled on the front, like, uh, you know, just like little like logos or drawings or just stuff you do in class to like occupy your time. But when you take the book and you, you open it up and try to flip through the pages, this is like a textbook with a, uh, with a paper bag cover over the, over the cover. I don't know if you remember, but like when you had to cover your own books and stuff for school or else you be responsible if they got damaged or whatever you get like a paper bag and you'd cover it and you had like stuff that you'd written on it and it's like it's like this this wave of nostalgia as you're just like going through all these little belongings all these little knickknacks and stuff like that what does isabel feel as she as she just sort of like opens this this window into the past for her this would be like a bittersweet like a you know a look back into her life before everything changed and how simple it was. Just very much uh like it's kind of saddening. It is depressing. It's it's a it's it's a relics of a time that's just gone. And you grab one of the books and you start to try to flip through it and all the pages are empty because that part of your subconscious just isn't filling in the blanks. And it it, it gives you a sense of this is artificial. And it's it's saddening, and you shut the locker, and you you keep walking into a empty cafeteria, where you just kind of you just kind of take a look around, and it's it's just completely empty. It's completely clean. It's it's more surreal than the way that you remember it. It's it's yeah, cafeterias are never clean. Yeah, exactly. And this one is it's just this dreamlike representation of it. But you know, you walk through the cafeteria, and you're kind of just like. You're kind of just like reliving this this part of your life in a way as you as you're exploring these different like areas and stuff of the school. And you see the the bathroom that adjoins one of the like lobbies with the cafeteria. So there's like there's like a a, a lobby that this is like the front entrance of the school. On the left you have a, a room a giant room with a cafeteria and a bunch of tables and the you know the line that people go through to get their food. On the right, you have a auditorium, which uh, you know which had some of your school plays and stuff like that. And then above that, or like the door to you know the next two doors over are are two bathrooms, male and female bathroom for students. And you remember that the bathroom, you know, you remember like some of your bad friends would kind of go smoke cigarettes in there after lunch or, or whenever. And you go into that bathroom and you push the door open and it's a really small bathroom. There's, there's three stalls and a sink. It's, it's not like one of the main bathrooms of the school. It's just like an addition to the cafeteria or whatever. So you just go in and, and everything's quiet. You're just like walking around, just like looking at stuff. And you see this mirror is just like completely just like, dirty covered in this gray soot that's just like just such a stark difference from everything else that's in this building right now and it's like it's just covered in this just thick thick layer of something where you just can't see your reflection you can't see anything and you just like stare at it for a second and then you you know you exit the room and you keep going back you keep going back past the locker as you like kind of just like check out everything and it's almost like you're lingering in this dream a little bit because it's like painful but some of it is like interesting it's like some of it is like like fun or like it just kind of reminds you of like this this like childhood innocence that's lost 
and you step out of a different entrance of the school. It's it's not the one near the cafeteria. It's like a, a back entrance that kind of goes out into the back parking lot towards the area where you were just looking out the window when you were inside of the class. And you step out into the parking lot, and it's empty. There's no cars or anything there. You look up at the sun, and you see the birds kind of like passing through. And you, you just hear like the sounds of that, but you don't hear the sounds of... of of anything else, just like the sounds of nature. And then as you're just sort of like standing there calmly, you, you hear this, this voice behind you, anything worth keeping here? She'll kind of start and turn around. You turn around and basically before you standing on the, on the opposite side of this door to the school, it's just like this old, old, decrepit, haggard-looking woman. And you see the, the door that you just went through to get outside, it's, it's shut now. And you see her face staring at you through this, through this small square window on the top of the door as this door is shut. So immediately there's that fear in her, you know? Like she just gets this, like, like she suspects, like she knows what this is. And then anger, like she's intruding, right? So I think Isabel would just say, get out. And then do you try to like reopen the door and try to like, do you try to go after this or do you just try to scare it off? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. If, no uh, I don't know how how to how to have her do this. You know, it's one of those things where like she's she's afraid, but at the same time, like she's also confident because it's in her own dreams, and she can forge dreams. So for right. her, this is like this is my head. Get out of it. You know. So if anything, she would turn it against her some in some way, but I'm not sure how. Maybe. Um, just completely changing the landscape. Um, is that a thing I can do and try and roll for? Yeah, definitely. So like the way that this kind of happened is like you step through the door and like right before the door shuts, because it has one of those things that prevents it from, from shutting really fast. To, you know, it has like, I don't fucking know what they're called. Those like air things that keep the door from just like slamming shut after you open it. It's like, it's like somebody says something while the door is still open and then pulls the door back and shuts it. And it's just like, it's this, this haggard smiley face, just like looking at you through this small window, just like separated by this door. And it's just like grimacing at you. It's just like, it's just so wrong. This face, it's just covered in these just deep wrinkles and creases, just like old leather. And the smile is just so disturbing. It's just like, it's just wrong. It's just evil. It's just it it's you know it shouldn't be there. This thing has to know it's it's not welcome, but just the the face of just just pure delight that it has is just it's terrible. So are you I gonna do that. like a forge the dream type of situation here? Yeah, I can. I was gonna say I have forging the dream. I can do that. Yeah. Do uh wits and weird. Should I spend the glamour to use it? Yeah. Am I allowed to use willpower here? It doesn't say you can anywhere. I know. It's just like, I don't know if her in her state of mind in her dream and everything, if she can. So I'm asking, like, is this a, is this a circumstance where I'd be able to? 
I would say you you would be able to. It's something that's. I mean, it's something that's kind of like, yeah, you are you are asleep, yeah, you are drunk and stuff, but like this is like very uh, startling to you, so you're able to pull yourself out of whatever to to make this happen and to use willpower if you want. Okay. Three successes. So what I want to do is I'm gonna like I said I'm changing the landscape completely and uh, like every all my surroundings are effectively going to melt except for that door, right? And the door is going to move to me, and it's going to be on the other side. Like, um, like the door is behind me, and it, like, everything is just shifting and changing, right? Just like the landscape just melts away, and the door swings around behind me, and I'm not moving at all. Everything is moving around me, you know? Because even in her dreams, she is the center of everything. <laughs> and so the door swings around open behind her, if I can do that, with this thing across from her, like, far away, and she's just like... Get out. And you see the, the old woman is, is transported way, way far away from you as, as you just mold this dream to your will. And then she says, oh, certainly this has gone sour. And then she kind of just like, she kind of just disappears from sight. And it's like, it just happens so quick. It's just like, she, she says that and then she's just gone. Um, like, Almost uh, in a scared kind of way, uh, Isabel is going to try and like flee, you know, like through the door, through the, through this the 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 school and everything, like back to, you know, like like she's like everything's blurring past her as she's running from this situation out of the school and going back to her home, you know, and just running away from this this monster and hoping that like whatever caused it to come it to her it, that it's actually gone that it's not still there lurking somewhere around the in her mind just like ready to torment her and you you start running and it's like this full sprint and it, it doesn't seem to fatigue you at all and it's like this yeah it's like a dream run where yeah like, it's like a superhuman run and it's everything's like, blurring by everything is just flying by you and it's like you you feel this you still feel this like this this haunting presence as you're kind of just like running through these dreams, like running through this dream as fast as possible, just trying to escape, trying to jump through, trying to get back. As, and, as she's running, she's just like saying to herself, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out. And it's like, you, you feel for a second as you, as you think it's just about to end as you're just about to just jump through and just make it back into, back into your sleeping self you feel like this this moment of just like trudging through quicksand as you're just trying to trying to get out and it's like just it's almost like it's trying to like pull you back in and you break through and you just you're just still saying to yourself get out get out get out and you just kind of like jolt up in bed complete like sweating just like completely out of breath just like very shocked from a nightmare and this this phrase just kind of keeps echoing in your head it's turned sour certainly that's turned sour and it's just like keeps keeps playing in your head in that just like cackling hag's voice and it's a sickening to you you're just like oh you just want to just like just wash yourself of the of the dream it was just like it was just like a very 
very, very scary, uncomfortable situation. And even something that you had so much control over and still just seemed tainted, but you were able to able to like shift it and escape. But now you're just sitting awake, just like, holy shit. So um, I think that Isabel is going to um, immediately like get up and like look around and like she's like checking under her bed and in her closet like making sure like because for her she's she's like you know if she does this she's usually there and if something was messing with her now her now her immediate thing is like is it here is it still here is it in the house is it is it like under is it under the bed is it like where'd she go you know like so she's like frantically searching like even even though there's like almost no chance that there's anything there she's still like like it's it's like a fear in her mind. And you sweep your bedroom like completely and like you relax a second when you realize that there's nothing there. And you go to walk into the kitchen and maybe get yourself like a glass of water or something and you just stop. Cuz you see something that's just so off. Just so there's a a bunch of these these glass cups, your cups, the cups from your from your cupboard. And they're just all out on the table right now. And they're all full halfway with this just white liquid. And there's a bottle of milk out on the table too. It's the it's the milk that you that you bought last time you were shopping. And it, it's weird. And it, it you think for a second, like, what the f did I do this? There's no way I would have done this. You count them, there's six cups out. Basically every clean cup you had. She's gonna like go over to them and dump them out. Yeah, and dump you them just all out and the gallon of the, the the milk just just pour it all down the drain and you just start dumping them out and you're just like trying to just get through it as fast as possible and you notice this stink of of just sour just past rotten milk and you're just dumping it out and you're just like oh gross gross just and like dumping them out rapidly and yeah like washing them and just like almost like sobbing to herself as she's doing it standing there in her kitchen just like and you're you're working yourself into like a frenzy as you just start to like dump out all these cups and dump out the milk and you're washing these cups and you're trying to wash the the milk residue off of the sink and you just like you just like break down you know and you're just like fuck like and you're you know it's like this you're just like overwhelmed with emotion for for this little bit as you're as you're trying to just like rid yourself of this like horrible remnant of whatever the fuck just happened yeah Let's just do let's do uh wits and composure. Oh boy. Those are never fun. Two successes. You're standing at the sink now, just slightly out of breath after after having done all that. And as you're standing there, the the house is silent and you kind of just hear this this like rush of wind and it 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 give, it causes you to like glance at your front door and you see that it's like slightly ajar. It, and you uh, like it wasn't before, right? No, like you, I mean, you were drunk, but you always no, I mean, like up. when I come in here and was when I first yeah. walked in. Well, when you first walked in, it was, it was likely that it was open. You didn't notice because of the milk is like what I'm trying to say. But you know that no. you locked up, like, you know, that you, you know, even though you were wasted when you came in, you know that you locked up. I'm going to call the police. Yeah. And so you grab the phone and you, you dial 911 and there's a, there's a, a pickup right away. 911, what is your emergency? I think someone's in my house, and I'm going to give him my address. 
Okay, stay calm, miss. We're sending somebody down right away. Is there a safe place you can uh, put yourself at until we get there? I don't Maybe know. a room you could know. lock yourself in? I'm in my I'm in my living room now and and the my door's open and I think someone was in my house. I just I okay. don't know. All right, ma'am, try to stay calm. We're sending somebody down there right now. So Isabel's going to try and find something to like wrap around herself, like a blanket or something. She doesn't want to go back into her bedroom and like put something else on, you know, but she doesn't want to uh you know, be standing there in like her pajamas in front of a police officer. So, so you find like a like a blanket or like a like a bath, like I don't know, like a, a blanket that you're able to like cover yourself up with. We'll say uh, a good fifteen minutes passes before before the the police make it to your house. And where where are you waiting for them? Are you still inside like of them? By her front door, like right there, like with it open, like ready to like run if she feels like she needs to. And so they don't waste any time uh, getting to the door, and you see them. Uh, it's it's two two male police officers. Uh, one of them looks like he's about, you know, in his in his forties, and the other one appears to be a little bit older. Uh, the younger one has this uh, curly black hair. He appears to be of um, you know like Hispanic or Latin American descent, and the other guy is the older guy. He's a a bald uh, white guy. And you see the older one is, is heading in first and he's got his hand on, on the, uh, on his firearm. And he's just like, ma'am, I just need you to stay calm. We're, we're going to go in. We're going to do a sweep of the house. Okay. We just need you to, to just hang back here with my partner and, and stay calm. Okay. Okay. Thank you. And the guy with the curly hair, just, uh, he's standing with his, with his hand out, just kind of like giving the impression of just like, I have things under control. And he's just like, don't worry, miss, uh, me and my partner are taking care of this. We just need you to stay calm, okay? Are you hurt? Have you seen anybody in the house? And it's like he's just going on with the questions before he can really. No, no, give no. You my up. front door was open, and I thought I heard someone. And and there, like, there were all my cups were out, and I didn't leave them out. Like somebody was going through my things. Huh. And this this happened while you were sleeping, you think? Yeah, I I woke up and I I come into the the kitchen and and uh, there was like milk in out and it was spoiled and it was all in all my cups and i don't know when this happened as you're like explaining all this to the the cop with the curly hair the bald cop kind of makes his way back to you guys and he's like well i just did two sweeps and i didn't see a, i didn't see a single person here so if somebody was here they sure ain't here now look why don't we uh why don't we all have a seat somewhere and, and you can you can talk to us for a second okay so she'll you know go with them and to like sit in the living room, and you lead them into the living room, and they go ahead and they have a seat, and you just see the the older cop. He just goes, "You've been drinking tonight, miss." Can't yeah, help but notice it smells like a distillery in here. Yeah, I was I was at out partying. Well, I'm that that's none of my business. Surely that isn't a crime. It's just uh, you know, other than the door being unlocked, I didn't necessarily see any signs of a of a, of a forced entry. Now you said you locked the door from the other side when you when you came home. I, it's habit. So I mean, I could have left it unlocked, but it was open, and I definitely don't leave it open. Hmm. Somebody was in here. Somebody was in here, and they were they were messing with my things. They, like I said, they took they took all the cups out of the cupboard and filled them up with milk. And you see the the older cop kind of looks at the younger cop, and they they both look at each other for a second, just like puzzled, and then they look they look back to you. Now. 
try to understand, Miss. Most of these most of these break-ins happen. Uh, it's usually uh, some homeless people or some some drug addicts or some drunks. They're usually looking for either some cash or or some items or jewelry that they can pawn. Uh, so what you're telling me is somebody broke in here to to have a glass of milk. I don't know. I don't know what they were doing. I just know someone was in here, and I don't feel safe. Is there is there anybody who who you believe uh, you know might be out to out to mess with you, out to harm you in any way? No, I don't. I don't think so. Hmm. And she like when she says that, she's kind of like she's not sure if she believes it. I don't know if you need me to roll like anything. Okay. Yeah. We'll we'll do like a um, try to do a composure subterfuge. Yeah, composure subterfuge. Does misdirection apply? Yeah. Three successes. When you say that, he doesn't he doesn't question it in any way. He's just like, okay, no, all right, all right, I believe you. Well, this is it's confusing to me to say the least, but uh, look, we're we're gonna we're gonna leave a, a patrol out here to to keep an eye on you. She'll like visibly relax at hearing that. <sighs> okay, that that that's okay. Yeah. And then he's just like, no. Oh. I'm going to take another quick look around the house, see if I can find any evidence of the crime. Uh, my partner here is going to go have a look at your door and make sure that that hasn't been tampered with. Why don't you just sit here and relax, you know, get yourself a cup of, a cup of tea or, or whatever, and we're going to be here checking things out. Uh, after that, I'm going to, I'm going to call to, to get a car to stay out here overnight. Is that going to be okay with you, miss? Yes, thank you, officer, so much. And you see, he looks at his partner, and he just kind of... Um, Starts to starts to to walk to the other side of the house, grabbing some plastic gloves from his uh front pocket and kind of just like puts them on. And he's he's looking around and he he looks into the kitchen and he like is looking down at the sink, and he's just like, "Oof, smell the milk, certainly gone sour." And it's like when you hear it again, you're kind of just like, "Ugh," it just gives you this like weird deja vu. Yeah. And you have to like shudder down her spine. Yeah, you have to you have to check yourself for a second to be like, no, I I did wake up. Like, no, I did wake up. It's not still here, and it's just like this little bit of like lingering trauma from this like this fucked up dream. Um, and yeah, and so like the other cops are kind of just there. There's the two the two cops that were like interviewing you or kind of like questioning you about the crime, and then. Not too long after, like another car shows up and they're kind of just like filing a report and just like there's there's men walking around your house and stuff like that. And you're sort of just like sitting there, just like shit. And you see like the you see this the you see the lights from their cars just kind of like shining in through the windows. And you know, your house is like very much a crime scene at this point. So you you would just see them initially as like more police arrive and then but as they do shine through your house for even just a second, you you think like, wow, the curly haired cop, he approaches you and you're, you're just sitting down in the house and he says, well, the door doesn't look tampered with at all, miss. So I don't think anybody tried to budget from this side. I don't see any signs that the lock on the inside is broken. My advice would be that you have them changed. Uh, somebody with a key might've, uh, might've done this here. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do that. I'll do that. For, uh, definitely. I'll get a locksmith. She right, probably now, miss- knows a couple of different locksmiths actually being, uh, being someone who has to get into these houses and everything um, and having had to deal with people who uh, might steal keys and having to get locks changed constantly and 
all that kind of thing. Like she's. Yeah, absolutely. As like a real estate agent, you probably have like a few you could call upon or whatever. It's but, one of those things where that like when she, when he gives that suggestion, she's like, yeah, you know, that's a good idea. And like that starts centering her and making her feel more like like, OK, she's more in control of the situation yeah. now. Like you can work. You can work on this. You can, you know, you can get the locks. This fixed. something stuff she can, you can do. do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and the, after like after like a, maybe a couple hours of of men walking around and looking at stuff and writing stuff down the curly haired cop who's like the last one in the house is kind of just like all right miss uh i think we got everything we need here like i said there's going to be a car outside for you so you know don't don't feel any any worry at all we're we're keeping an eye on things and he goes and he shakes your hand he gives you a nod and he he just kind of um just kind of slowly walks out of the house okay you know she's she thanks him as he leaves and shuts and locks the door. I don't think she's going to go back to sleep. Hello, folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts, or just media in general that deals with your favorite white wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded, one which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want? Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called Weight Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there. High Level Games, the industry's first choice in taking your games to the next level. We are a podcast blog and new media network at highlevelgames.ca. We have blog posts about all of your favorite games going up five days a week and a podcasting network with actual plays and shows that discuss role-playing games with more rolling out all the time. We are on iTunes, Twitch, and YouTube. Find out more information at highlevelgames.ca, a site that certainly isn't controlled by a shadowy board of directors of otherworldly origin. That's highlevelgames.ca. Please, help. They're coming. The Los Angeles metropolitan area is constantly growing and changing. The central district is full of new buildings. The Hollywood and Wilshire districts, once far from downtown, now are part of a which spreads past Beverly Hills and out to the ocean. Why is all this going on in Los Angeles?
why is Los Angeles an exploding city? Neon Masquerade The Demon's Mirror Thirteen Candles Three Chronicles Running Through the Undead Veins of the City of Angels The Esoteric Order of Role Players Actual Play Podcast invites you to drink deeply. Go to eorpodcast.com and search the Duets tag to find out more.